Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Hi, Phil here, and welcome to the very first midweek episode of IT Career Energizer, where I chat with inspiring IT professionals and experts from around the world. Everyone's career can benefit from the insights and experience of others, and you can get your free copy of 11 Top Career Tips for IT Professionals by visiting itcareerenergizer.com. And now let's chat with today's featured guest, Suzanne Robertson. Suzanne is a principal and founder of the Atlantic Systems Guild. She is co-author of Mastering the Requirements Process, a guide for practitioners on finding requirements and writing them so that all stakeholders understand them. Suzanne is also a member of the IEEE and the British Computer Society, as well as a regular speaker at conferences and universities. So Suzanne, can I ask you to expand on that brief summary and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Good evening, Phil. I've been in IT for more years than I would care to think about. My my very first job that led me eventually to where I am now with requirements, but my very first job in IT, I was a computer. Uh, And that was was my, my, my job title. I actually worked for rocket scientists. And my job was to, computing power was very expensive in those days. So you had to do a lot of modeling and a lot of, uh, a lot of modeling before you actually wrote any or ran any programs. So my job was to simulate missile trials by, by eventually write it, writing programs. But I did an awful lot of calculations in the meantime, um, hence the job of computer, which I, I found out later. In fact, I found out quite recently that the people who worked with Alan Turing during the war and did a lot of the calculations, their roles was actually computer. Yeah, I think I've heard that before, actually, yeah. yes. Yeah. What I'm doing now, of course, couldn't be further from that when I think of how much power I can fit in my phone and the computer that I worked with was an analog computer, the very first one. And it was oh, twice the size of my office now, which is a big <laughs> office. It was extraordinary. And, and I went from there and um, worked through the, I suppose in those days, you, you did a little bit of everything, but I was a programmer and I wrote in machine language and then eventually Fortran. And then I went through be- becoming a, a designer, a becoming a systems analyst, a, a, a project manager, and along the way, learning an awful lot about IT and how it affects people and how little I knew about it. <laughs> so so much so much has happened in those um forty years. Yeah. I mean you've mentioned obviously the the evolution of computing power as much as anything else and the size of the systems um, yes. that were there at the time. It it's been quite an incredible change. And in particular I think over the last few years we've we've seen to change the way we approach IT as well? Yes, I think that's true. I think that because we've got so much more power in terms of languages, hardware and software, 
we can we don't start at the same place as we used to when I when I first started working. We've got so, we're so much at a higher level. Even when we're writing writing code, the languages are so much more high level that we don't have to worry about managing memory. For example, yes. that was a very very major issue, and it meant that you focused an awful lot on the guts of the technology. You talking about users and talking about um, you know giving value to customers that wasn't really something that was in our, our vocabulary in those days. Yeah, Suzanne, can you share a unique career tip with the IT career energizer audience that they need to know and probably don't? Well, something that is very relevant to. I think all of us, and, and especially what I do now in requirements and business analysis, is don't expect people to tell you what they need. And the reason is they don't know. Yeah. If people ask, if people ask either one of us, what do you need? We don't know. And that's why we need to develop really the, the good human communication skills, ways of getting feedback from people, ways of showing them things to explore whether this might be what they need, but just asking people what they need. Now, I've, I've had a lot of, of, of um, people say to me, oh, well, people should know what they need. You know, if we ask them, they should know. Well, we don't. We don't know what we need. And I think that's a really, really key thing, not just for requirements analysts and business analysts, but for everybody who's involved in building systems of any kind. Yeah, so the the phrase requirements engineering is one I hear more and more. Do you see that as part of what you're describing there? Yes. Requirements engineering is one of the names given to the activity or or, perhaps the role. We get so muddled up with activities and roles. And I think requirements engineering, requirements analysis, business analysis are all really, really birds of very much the same feather. I think that there, there really hasn't been a complete consensus on exactly what the uh, what the skills are that are attributed to each one of the roles. But then the roles aren't consistent anyway from one organization to another. And I think it's important to realize that. Yeah. Suzanne, can you tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? My worst moment? Oh, that would take me back probably to when I was a programmer designer and I was, I had to make a very urgent change to a very old check printing program. And this, this program had been around for 15 years and had been fiddled with by lots of different people. And the, it was very, very urgent that, that I made this change that night because they were going to print the checks. So I made it. And when they printed the checks, each check was for a million dollars more than it should have been. Yes. <laughs> and it was the only check stationery they had. Oh dear. It was mortifying. So what did they do to resolve the issue? Well, we had to call on another organization to help us. And in fact, it was a computer bureau in Australia that I was working with at the time. And we called on on a we, on another computer bureau to help us. They, and they did. They were very right. helpful. Right. Okay. 
I was up. I was up for forty-eight hours without going to bed, though. At that time. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> um, so, moving on, maybe from your worst IT career moment, can you tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? Yes, I can. I remember it vividly because in 1994, myself and my one of my business partners, who's also my husband James, we published our first book. It was complete systems analysis. And there was great rejoicing and a lot of champagne when we published it finally, because it had taken us 10 years to write it. Quite a while, yes. Quite quite a while. And I, I think the reason, well, in retrospect, there was a very good reason for that. And it was, we didn't really know who we were writing it for. We knew that we were writing it for systems analysts um, and it was to do with modeling and we needed to give them lots of examples and carry them through projects and so on. So we, but it wasn't, it, it, it was too, you know, I kept talking to James and saying, well, I think we should have this in the book. And he'd say, well, no, I'm not sure that systems analysts would need that or this. And it was coming back on a plane. Uh, I, I did a business trip to Copenhagen and I opened the SAS magazine and there was this fellow. I gave him a name immediately, Eric. And Eric was wearing a jumper and he looked quite bright, serious, and he had a clipboard and he was he was writing something on the clipboard. And, and I looked at him and I thought, that is the systems analyst we have to write this book for. And I got home and I showed it to James and said, here's Eric. And everything started to work from that point on. Can you tell us what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? Well, we talked about it before, about how much progress we've made in the time, in, in the last 40 or 50 years. Now, what I'm getting very excited about now is that people are looking past just IT and bringing different disciplines in to help with the overall understanding and building of systems. Um, I'm reading a lot, for example, about anthropology, uh, sociology, linguistics, even gardening, every other discipline we are we can learn so much that we can use when we're building systems. And I think we're getting better at doing this. I think we're getting better at making abstractions. And I think we're getting better at cross-functional activities, cross-functional knowledge and, 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 and um, encouraging that, which, which certainly didn't happen when I first started in this field for very good reasons. We just had to focus on IT and, and because that was really what we had to be able to work on and understand. And I think the future... The sky's the limit. The, the doors are opening all over the place. It, and, and people's minds, as, as people are being educated now, people's minds are be, being open to these possibilities much, much earlier. Okay. Um, we're going to go into the reveal round now. Are you ready for this? Ooh, sounds tricky. <laughs> <laughs> so what first attracted you to a career in IT? Well, that's an easy question. It was a total accident. I was uh, I was studying law, and I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer. And my father was a guided weapons expert, and he said, "Well, you might be interested in these things called computers 
Um, they're rather large, but they look very fascinating. And I went along and did an aptitude test. And they said, oh, yes, you'll fit in here. And that was it. Then I was, then I was a computer. And then I, then I got so fascinated by the whole thing that uh, I've never left it. What is the best career advice you've ever received? When I was working in New York and we decided, six of us decided that we were going to form the Atlantic Systems Guild and we were going to, it was, it's a fairly loose organization. Um, our idea was to, to develop and to make accessible good ideas and systems engineering. And so James and I said, well, what we should do is we will write a course and tell people all about fourth generation languages because that was the flavor du jour at the time, fourth generation languages. There's always something. And one of our, our partners turned around and he said, no, you're both very good systems designers. People need to know about that. You must stick to the knitting. And when he said stick to the knitting, that, I've, that, that image has never left me. And that was some of the best advice I've ever been given. So do you think that ties in with um, a lot of people, what people talk about at the moment, about the difference between generalists and specialists? Not really, no. I think no. what it ties into is the idea that you can, you well, no, actually, you're probably right, because it is more of being a generalist rather than specialising in the flavour du jour. But my, the thing that really, really gave me the, uh, the aha, I suppose, was you shouldn't just chuck everything away when a new idea comes along Yes, and focus yeah. all your attention on that. If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? I've been thinking about this, and I wouldn't limit myself to IT. Uh, I would become... I've had to make a new role for this. I would become a systemologist <laughs> and I would combine IT with social and cultural systems. That's what I would like to do. Now, of course, that I suppose presupposes that I would know everything that I already know in order to be able to do that. But that uh, that's a wonderful, uh, a wonderful new profession. Indeed, yes. What career objectives are you currently focusing on? I'm focusing on producing good glue because there are so many, so many good ideas, so many, so many good ideas out there that are being developed to varying levels, but they're just being focused on one, sometimes just one discipline, for example. Now, if you can, for example, just a very simple thing. You know, people were religious about data models and people were religious about process models. Yes. And we, and we didn't want to redevelop either of those things, but what we wanted to do was to connect them formally by producing the right sort of glue. And glue, in this case, is some kind of a really good lexicon that you're actually using consistently and is consistently checked. I'm just using that as an example. But there are just so many good ideas that people say, oh, no, that's outside my discipline. And I want to produce glue to say, no, that actually connects to this. It's the same thing as this. And that way people can use these ideas 
rather than um, having to wait ages before they get invented and put into your own uh, into your own little container. What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? I think it's cooking. Okay. I think it's cooking because um, it takes me away from work and it gives me new ideas. You can, I, I can totally absorb myself in cooking, but then out of it you get ideas for, oh, I could use the, that way of expressing a recipe. That would be a good way of expressing part of a specification, for example. So, I, and, and I do love to cook. It relaxes me. Suzanne, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? I think, and this is very much part of what we've been researching and writing about just recently a lot, but I think the best thing that I can advise people is discover the real problem. Don't just take what somebody says to you, but take what they say and then step back step back and take a wider view. If somebody asks you, for example, um, I'd like a screen with this on, say, well, what happened before you wanted that screen with that on? Who did what in order to give you that piece of information that you want on that screen? And just taking that wider view will help tremendously in discovering what the real problem is rather than the solution that somebody is handing you. Finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and potentially connect with you? Well, Volere, um, that's spelled V-O-L-E-R-E, is our webpage that contains all of our techniques and books and videos and so on. So volere.org is a good way of getting in touch with us. The other, the other um, website that uh, people would be interested in is the Atlantic Systems Guild, where once again, we've got uh, various articles, books and so on on the, on the site. Suzanne, thank you so much for joining me on the IT Career Energizer podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Well, thank you for asking me, Phil. It's been a pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's first midweek episode of the show. My thanks to Suzanne for sharing her experiences and advice. And full show notes are available at itcareerenergizer.com slash e43. As mentioned in Monday's episode with Rex Black, further changes to the IT Career Energizer podcast are on the way. So make sure you subscribe to the show in whichever streaming service you use to listen so that you don't miss out. As ever, thanks for listening and being a supporter of the show. If you want to contact me, you can find me on LinkedIn or by using the contact form on the website. It's always great to hear from listeners of the show, and I'm always happy to answer any questions about the podcast or about careers in IT. So until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.